Happy week. It was a wet week, but now the sun is out. It's beautiful out there. It is why we live in Southern California. Exciting, exciting Sabbath. We start our new series, Understandable. And for the next couple of weeks, we are going to be understanding how to read scripture better. And so we are delighted because that's what we try to do on a weekly basis with you as we continue our conversation on the Psalms. Today we have one of those familiar, familiar songs from Israel's hymn book. I've got Joey in studio. We are happy. The sun is out. Uh, we have food in our bellies. Uh, we've got a beautiful church service, and we are just on cloud nine. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to invite uh, Joey to join us as we converse. Let us pray. God, we are delighted. Delighted for what has been a beautiful, beautiful week. Delighted for uh, some warmer weather. Delighted because you continue to move in our presence, Lord. We are just so happy because you are who you have said you are. And for that, we continue to praise you. Thank you for hearing us. And thank you for responding to us. Sometimes even before we know uh, what to ask for. So we pray in your name. Amen. Hey, Joey, how are you? Doing good. I, I'm so excited for this series. Um, just coming off the heels of Unbelievable to go to Understandable. Yeah, yeah just really, really excited. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to hearing uh, how our congregation is going to receive it. More importantly, I think what's going to be really neat is I think throughout our time together, uh, Randy's going to start leading uh, our congregation in new ways of looking at scripture. Mm -hmm. And what I find fascinating is then those conversations are going to trickle down to us. And so some of the people that we love in our church are going to start reading and looking at scripture in different ways. I cannot wait to see what that's going to do to the way uh, we approach the Bible. And I know you've been a strong advocate for this, like that, that the importance of being able to rightly understand scripture mm -hmm. and study scripture, that often some of the challenges that we face as communities are not so much um, even uh, philosophical mm -hmm. or political, but just that we don't always understand mm -hmm. scripture, the intended, the way that it was intended to be read. And so this could be a very unifying moment for our church as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating experience. I know, for example, one of the principles that Randy uses is this idea that you need to collapse the distance, right, between mm -hmm. uh, the text and us. But you have to recognize first in order to collapse that distance that there is a distance. Mm -hmm. And so shocking, I know it sounds shocking. The Bible wasn't written just for us. And so just that, just if we can just start thinking about, oh, how would this have sounded mm -hmm. uh, to the people that first read it? Uh, that, I think, is going to do wonders for the way we converse with Scripture. And probably more importantly, uh, it allows us to realize that, hey, if this same text was read uh, 2,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago in a different way, then I wonder, I just wonder if it's okay that uh, we might read this text with a little nuance, even in our own community of faith. And so I think unifying is is really, really the word uh, that, and what I'm hoping that we as a community are going to have. So I am, as you are, I'm sure, excited. Yeah. 
I just love how we began this year. It's like we've gone back to basics, uh -huh. right? We started with sort of a theological base yeah. that we did with the Unbelievable series. And now we're going to yeah. how do we study scripture as we're reading the scripture uh, chronologically through the whole throughout the whole year. Just brilliant. Just yeah. brilliant how that how that was planned, because if you think about it, just programmatically, it makes sense, right? In order to read the Bible, you need to understand the God who the Bible witnesses to. Mm. And so that was what Unbelievable was about. It was about to, uh, for some of us, uh, it was about sharpening our understanding of who this God was. For others, it was starting to maybe look at God in different ways. And so now that you've done that, now that you have this idea that above all things, God prioritizes love, mm. then now you can you can delve into, into this book that talks about this God. And I'm um, just... It's going to be, I, I, I know it's going to be a blessed journey. So you and I are, are, are uh, going to talk today about two psalms. Uh, one, of them, one of them is our favorite, mm. uh, or at least one of our favorites. Uh, it was a song that uh, people used to sing mm. uh, as they came up to Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, and just just the image, yeah. is, is the imagery is so powerful. You that have been there, right? You are starting to climb, uh, climb out literally out of out of the desert um, mm. and out of kind of being even below sea level. Mm. And now you start climb, climbing in, and the vegetation starts to to change, and you can see in the distance there yeah. uh, the walls of the city and the Kidron Valley. Mm. And the walls, as a, as a weary traveler, that are greeting you, they're welcoming you home. And you say, I lift my eyes up to the mountain. You mm -hmm. see uh, beyond the Kidron oh, Valley, wow. the, the, the hill elevated where Jerusalem, where the old city still stands. And where does my help come from? Mm -hmm. And then the answer comes back. And it's, the answer comes back from the, from the gates. Uh, my help comes from the Lord. And the, I, mm. this is why I think I love the songs of ascent. Uh, because there are these songs, right, that they would sing as they are coming into Jerusalem after a long pilgrimage. And they are songs, I think, that punctuate mm. the fact that God has protected them through the journey. So whatever journey we are on, I think these songs of ascent are great reminders that while we are here and while we're still breathing and kicking, it's important to, to have times mm -hmm. where we assure ourselves uh, that God is present and that God still cares. Yeah, I love that. I love that imagery as you described it, these songs of a sense as people went up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was always up. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know that Jerusalem is in a valley and it's kind of set up on this mountain. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is up. Like you can only approach it by going mm -hmm. up. And as they are ascending, they sing this song. I just picturing in my mind's eye people singing this song. Some of the most powerful moments for me have been with communal singing. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was at a youth revival where at the end of it we sang side by side together, right? I don't know if that's a song that you ever sang to you. Yeah, still, side I'm, by I'm, side. Still old I'm still old enough to remember that. But as you know, singing the, these moments that are uh, incredibly unifying. Mm -hmm also inspiring mm -hmm. and hopeful. I mean, that is the message of this song. Mm -hmm. The side by side is one of those songs where, you know, I'll meet you at the Savior's mm -hmm. side, right? We'll, we'll um, sing songs together. We'll hold hands, you know, all of these things. And 
in in Psalm chapter 121, you have that kind of message, mm. this this hopeful message mm. of deliverance, the deliverance from a God who never slumbers. Yeah. Last and so last week we talked about how the majority of the Psalms uh, kind of are reserved for these moments uh, where we've lost our equilibrium, we've mm. lost our footing, we yeah. we we're, we're teetering and almost stumbling, and we cry out, "Help us, O Lord." If that was all that religious life and experience uh, would be, um, I don't, I don't really, I'm not sure how many people would be in the church. Mm. I mean, intellectually, sure, the idea that there's something beyond us I, I, has some merit and has some weight to it. Yeah. But there is this experiential uh, reality to religious life in mm. practice, right? Uh, you, let's face it, we are here. Because as our friends in the non-denominational world say, we got saved. Mm. At some point in our lives, we met Jesus. Mm. Not the church, not the set of doctrines, not the 28 fundamental beliefs or whatever else beautiful as those are. We met Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we had an experience, uh, often a communal experience, where the spirit really was felt. And I think that's what keeps us coming back mm. to rediscover or to re-experience yes. that, the, this moment where God uh, becomes present. Mm -hmm. uh, Langdon Gilkey, talking about these type of songs, say uh, that these songs are reserved for, and Langdon Gilkey, the famous, famous Old Testament scholar, says these psalms are reserved for moments when you feel weighed down by the presence of angels. Mm. Just imagine that, just feel, feeling weighed wow. down by the presence of the majestic choir of heaven. And he says that there's, there has to be, there has to be, in a world that where a lot of things weigh us down, there has to be a space for us to just be overwhelmed mm. by the experience of the divine. And this is what these psalms are reserved for. Yeah, that's so, I love that imagery weighed down by the presence of angels. That's so powerful. I mean, the imagery of it is, is so powerful. But it does remind me of moments, those moments that I've had, mm -hmm. those moments where God's presence was was tangible, yeah. right? Where, where whether he rescued me from a challenging situation, whether his he spoke so clearly from a message that somebody was sharing or from nature, mm -hmm. like nature has always been a place where I felt very close to God, mm -hmm. right? Whatever those moments were, uh, those of us who are followers of God, it's true. We're followers of God because we have experienced mm -hmm. those for ourselves. We know that God has been tangible. It, it's not always, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not always every day, nope. right? But like we talked about last week, the, the the liminal spaces seem to be a lot more than the the, the victorious Absolutely. spaces, Absolutely. right? That's the reality of human life. But we do have those victorious right. spaces. We do have moments of um, resolution. We do have moments of reorientation yes. like you've talked about before. Because without them, then it would just be hopeless, right? right? And so I think it's important because... You talked about last week, and I think it was it was well said, and we might have just brushed over it. Um, so if you if you get a chance to go back and listen to what Joey said on resilience, right? Mm -hmm. How sometimes the the moments of disorientation are are intended to build resilience. So you use that word. I think it's a perfect word to describe this. 
But the resilience is useless if you don't have these moments. And so uh, these moments are as important to building resilience. They they build and they construct your storehouse of hope. Mm -hmm. So then when resilience is needed, you can draw on something to say, this is why I have resilience. And you mentioned uh, a few moments ago how powerful these moments are. For me, one of those moments was in Jerusalem. Mm. I remember uh, maybe six or seven years ago traveling to Jerusalem mm. and um, spending time in the Holy Land. And um, we, we went into the old city. And as we were in the old city, we went down to the Lithos Propos, the actual Roman uh, streets that were uh, now... Uh, underground because there's been all, all this stuff built on them. And the uh, as we're walking to the, towards the Praetorium, mm-hmm. um, s- walking on those steps. Wow. And, and you've been there. You've, you've walked those streets as well. I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. um, but in that moment, it clicked. Mm-hmm. It clicked that I was standing on holy ground, yeah. that that was the same route and the same stones, and the same uh, street that bore witness mm. to Jesus's crucif- to Jesus's crucifixion, wow. to Jesus both walking into see Pilate and then being led uh, to Golgotha. And I don't know what it be. You know me. I'm I very rarely cry. I very rarely get emotional. But I just had to like move to the side and and I, I just wept yeah. and it was. It was kind of this this thing that that just burst open, and I didn't know where it came from. And now, when when I think about, um, or when I I should rather say when I experience moments that are difficult, it's it's funny how often I've gone back to that place, mm. um, because that is the moment where I can say, yes, God does hear me. And yes, God does deliver me. And yes, I have assurance of God's care for me because I felt them. It wasn't this intellectual assent to a series, uh, to some beliefs, or maybe this idea that, hey, uh, believing in God, uh, just in case God is out there, is probably intellectually more beneficial than not doing that. Yeah. It was this real whole body experience of, as Gil- as Gilkey said, being... Uh, pressed down uh, by by this by the presence of angels wow wow that's so beautiful yeah I had a similar type of experience in Capernaum just um, walking on the streets and, and and just realizing Jesus walked these mm-hmm. same steps and there's just something I don't know I've never been a big un, I never understood the the desire the motivation mm-hmm. behind people going on pilgrimages mm-hmm. before but as I stood there and just realizing I'm standing where Jesus mm-hmm. stood. <laughs> it was just overwhelming mm-hmm. for me. Another such a moment was, um, it happened in the Philippines. I was coming back from a summer-long mission uh, project that I was doing in um, the, the island of Luzon in the area of Kibungan. And we were, we were, my partner and I, we were on our way back. Our mission project had ended. Um, but because of the storms and weather, there was disruptions Back then, we didn't have cell phones. So there was disruptions to the phone lines. And so we couldn't get through to the people um, in, in, um, in, in the Thousand Missionary Campus to let them know when we would be arriving in Manila 
at the bus station. Like there was no way to communicate. So I, we tried over and over again at the public tele. Back then it was public <laughs> telephones, right? <laughs> like using phone cards, you know, to call and couldn't get through. So finally I called my father in the United States because I had to leave. I had to get on the bus and said, okay, this is the time. Please try to get through. And then we just left. And I remember being stressed and worried, like, are we going to get to Manila and there's nobody to pick us up and we have no money because we were out of money, right? We have no money. Like, what are we going to do in Manila <laughs> um, at this bus depot as uh, like 18-year-old kids? Wow. And, and it just kind of stressing. And so finally, I started to pray. And um, driving on that bus, my partner had fallen asleep and I was just praying. And all of a sudden, on the bus radio, um, Stephen Curtis Chapman's I Will Be Here mm. started to play. And I was like, because all the way up to that point, it had been random different like um, Filipino songs mm -hmm. and music, not even in English, mm -hmm. right? And all of a sudden, Stephen <laughs> Curtis Chapman, a Christian singer, his song I Will Be Here in English starts to play. And I was like, oh, wow. Every morning when you wake up and the future seems unclear, wow. I will be here. And that message just okay, God has this, God has this. And I was able to fall asleep. It was like a, I don't know, 10, 12 hour bus ride. I fell asleep. We got to the bus station and sure enough, there was a man there to pick us up. My father had somehow gotten through and gotten the message to them. And then they, they, wow. they sent someone to pick us up. But I mean, that's a moment where it was just clear. I mean, God, God is watching my back, you know, and, um, small thing it's not a huge yeah. deal i mean somehow we would have survived even if the guy hadn't gone there but just that message that god cared enough right. to send that message to an 18 year old kid in on a bus in the philippines right. that's just incredibly moving to me and i think oof uh i think one of one of the things that we we often do uh, to our detriment is we try to explain those away hmm. I, I have we have a colleague he's retired um who used to teach here at, at the school of the living hmm. that used to say that uh miracles are are unethical they're immoral hmm. and it, i absolutely understand yeah what he's getting at uh i think that has to do uh or i think that statement is true if you're trying to find an explanation or a reason mm. for the miracle. Yeah. Uh, God sent a song to you mm. in the middle of the night in a foreign country mm. as you drove on a bus. And I can imagine immediately uh, somebody else who also was on a bus mm. um, who in the night um, doing God's will mm. um, where the bus got hijacked by by people by you know robbers and uh that person was hurt yeah and ultimately the the question right the rational question the yeah. ethical question the moral question is why did god send joey stephen <laughs> curtis chapman and this other person uh, yeah. didn't get that same message yeah and that's the big question i don't think that when it comes to these experiences, to these moments when we get to sing songs of ascent, I don't think that the invitation is for us to try to explain them mm. or to uh, 
extract some some deep theological meaning from them, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be God has a plan for me, or uh, I am, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do, and that's what God why God responded to. I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. I think, and you you remember this uh, when you get to Jerusalem, the bus is coming up, and um, we always sing. There's a song uh, going up to Jerusalem that, that starts blaring and you start going up and you see the city. You don't start talking about how what the first thing that you see isn't the actual city. It's kind of stuff that the, that was constructed by the Moors later on. Yeah. You don't you just you just silently and quietly observe and you revel in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, completely different and i think we've shared this before i uh for my birthday for my wife's birthday for linda's birthday two years ago she was turning 40 and um we went to paris and we have our birthdays fall within two days of one another and so uh on my birthday she said well we'll do it this trip is really for me but we'll do whatever whatever you want me to do and so we went to the louvre and we spent actually like 10 hours in there and um, I just sat in front of paintings and didn't try to understand them, didn't try to explain the context or try to get in the mind of the artist. Mm. You just, you revel in them mm. and you try to capture, you try to memorize uh, every brush, stroke, every, every usage of color. Um, you try to revel in the moment when you see the sun hitting the walls in Jerusalem and the song is being sung by this whole community. Mm-hmm. You try to revel in the moment of Stephen Curtis Chapman saying to a young 18-year-old, I've got you. Mm-hmm. And it's the moment for the moment's sake. Mm-hmm. It's nothing else, nothing more. It's the moment for the moment's sake. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, because those questions obviously do arise, and not just arise in when we compare our stories to each other, but also within our own moments. Mm-hmm. Like, why does God help me in this situation, mm-hmm. but not in this, mm-hmm. right? Like, those kinds of questions arise as well. One thing that has helped me a lot is something that Randy actually said. I We went to visit somebody in the hospital, and um, he prayed for deliverance, but for that person, for healing for that person. But he said something, and I'm probably butchering his words, but he said something that really struck me and sort of helped me with my framework with all of this is that this side of heaven, all deliverance and healing is temporary, right? Like we, we're sick, we get healed, we're going to get sick again. Uh, we're delivered from death, we are going to die at some point, right? These all, all these things, all these solutions, even all the miracles that God performs. Jesus, Jesus healed the blind man, right? Or and he raised the a dead boy from the mm-hmm. uh, from the grave. But Lazarus died again. Mm-hmm. The boy, right? He died again, right? So all these solutions are temporary on this side of mm-hmm. heaven, and so that sort of helped me that perhaps miracles have a function beyond just the health that they provide us. Um, or the help that, that there is some kind of, maybe God gives us miracles at some points to, because I needed more encouragement in that, that moment. Maybe, maybe there's that 
these these are little windows and glimpses into what God is going to do in mm-hmm. ultimately in the future. But the reality for all of us is that that there are going to be this side of heaven, mm-hmm. like we talked about last week, a lot more of those liminal moments, those disorienting mm-hmm. moments, those waiting moments, those lamenting moments than there are in the mm-hmm. delivering moments. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes these delivering moments so special mm-hmm. for all of us. Because when we do have them, we should celebrate. And just be in them. Yeah. Just live in them and stay in them as long as you can. Because this idea, it ultimately, it is a song of ascent. Mm. Uh, we Ultimately, we are going to sing a song of ascent. It's just a matter of time. Just like when we go and we pray for someone that is ill, um, it's a matter of time. Mm. Whether they are healed tomorrow or whether God answers that prayer uh, on resurrection morning, mm-hmm. it's a matter of time. Yeah. And one of these, these things so that, that yeah. is just stuck with me is for, for us, as we, as we see the journey, Right, as we experience kind of this ascent as we're climbing towards the new Jerusalem, we experience time as linear. Mm. I think it's a fallacy. I think it's a problem of, of Western Christianity that we expect God to experience time in the same way. Mm. Um, God doesn't see time in the same way that we do because God is outside of time. Mm. And so for God, the past, the present, the future, it's all there. Um, and so God can see both our climbing and our singing. Uh, where does my help come from? And God can see the song of the 144,000, that great multitude that says, holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. God can see both things occurring at the same time. And so I th- one of the things that I often um, marvel at is that even if God sees everything at, you know, happening at once, both the lament and the ascent and the rejoice, the rejoicing, God still gives us kind of these snapshots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the power, I think, of those moments, Joey, is that they represent this inbreaking of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, if only for a moment, that the kingdom is so powerful and that the kingdom is so present and that the kingdom is so real that it breaks in it forces its way in if only for a brief moment to our experience sure that we're not living in the kingdom but the kingdom will not it is is just so powerful that it will break in mm-hmm. in the most on inopportune unexpected, I should say, times and in the most uh, unexpected places. And that can be a song as you're in the as you're in the back of, of a bus driving towards Manila. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, some people point to the, the fact that God calls himself the I am, right? Mm-hmm. He has no past. He has no mm-hmm. future. He just is at all times. Um, Tony Campolo takes this to um, another uh, perspective in that he says, well, if that's the reality of God, that means God, Jesus, when he was crucified on the cross, that that was a huge sacrifice for him because that moment is present for him always. It's not like us where we experience this pain of loss and then it's 
you know, it fades with time. Mm-hmm. If God experiences all time as at once, then Jesus right now mm-hmm. is dying for our mm-hmm. sins in the present, right? That is present for us. When we sin, when we, that is adding to the burden of the sins mm-hmm. on G- that's weighing Jesus down mm-hmm. on the cross 2,000 years ago. I mean, that was a powerful moment. Now, my, um, my professor from seminary, um, Kanali, he, he would ha- have issue with this because he's very much in the, that God experiences time the same way that we do. He's, that's what, I think that's what his dissertation was about. So he, w- he would have issue with what we're saying right now. Mm-hmm. But, but that is a powerful concept um, because if God does experience time, not literally, but at all times, that, that does make sense that, mm-hmm. like you said, the kingdom of God breaks in mm-hmm. um, and all of those times are, are present mm-hmm. for God. Yeah, and we're going to get a call here from Andrews uh, <laughs> this week. So um, I will hedge and say this. Uh, did Jesus experience, uh, was Jesus's earthly experience temporally bound? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that just that just adds another layer, yeah. right? Because at that moment on the cross, mm. Jesus can't see beyond mm. beyond the cross. That is all he can see, mm. because God limit it, it, incarnation is this act of self limitation. Jesus, the Jesus, the God that exists outside of time, becomes a temporal being, yeah. and then is bound by time. Uh, now, if we believe that now Jesus reigns at the right hand of the Father, that Jesus and the Father are one, then I think your point and Campolo's point, though Campolo's not a systematic theologian and it's not. is, uh, <laughs> I think um, I think it's it's well stated. If God if Jesus now is uh, one with God, then God obviously operates as time is a construct and God operates outside of constructs. Which is which is it's just again we get to we get back to to the lesson we get to be assured of god's care mm-hmm. because god can see mm-hmm. joey and i climbing jerusalem say in this world saying today was a rough day lord where does my help come from mm. well and god can also see joey and i in the New Jerusalem, responding to our very same question, saying, my help, my help comes from the Lord, the maker yes. of heaven and earth. God can see both of those things. Yeah. And yet, God can also, uh, God can also decide through God's love to say, I don't want to see beyond, beyond the cross. Because the only mm. way that I get to see Joey and Gail or anyone else answering the question, where does my comes from mm. is if I cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. And that's that's so powerful because you you get that sense here, this idea that he watches over Israel um, and he will neither slumber or sleep, mm. this constant that he is he he is watching over us. And that same sense comes in in Psalm 139 mm. as well, right? That part of the confidence that God will deliver us is comes from how well he knows us, mm-hmm. right? Psalm 139, verse one, you have searched me, Yahweh, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out 
and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. And then he goes all the way to verse 13. You created me, my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Mm. So he's, he's basically saying part of the reason I trust you so deeply is you know me better than I know mm-hmm. myself. Like, I don't remember my, me in my mother's womb, but you do, mm. right? You knew what my first th- thoughts are. Mm. I don't remember what my first mm. thoughts were. I don't even remember, I don't remember what my first words were, but mm. God does. Yeah. He knows all these things. All the things that I have forgotten, God mm. still knows. And because he knows us so well is part of the reason that we can trust him so completely. Powerfully articulated. So not only, uh, not only does God know us and in knowing us, uh, and that knowledge engenders trust. God also is very, again, we're going to go back to this idea of God outside of the God outside of time. God also knows how the story is going to end. Mm. Now, if my kid, if my kids and your kids, uh, great kids, but the stress that a, that a parent feels uh, for the decisions that his children are or that his or her children are going to make, has to do with the fact that there is an unknown uh, in, that lies somewhere in the future. I think my relationship with both my boys would be very different if I knew that, yeah, they're going to take a lot of detours, but they're going to get there. They're going to get to to that song of ascent. I think once we're in Jesus. I think God knows that about us, Hmm. right? God knows that, yeah, we're going to take some detours and we're going to make some really poor decisions, but in the end, we're going to get there. So God says, this is going to be painful, just like it's painful for any parent to watch their children go go through detours. But in the end, I know it's going to be okay. Hmm. That's the power that, that Jesus has. For us, I think that's something that we need to remember. Uh, because we we forget that often like we forget that if we're reading this book if we're watching this program it's because at some point we had that experience that we're talking about right this experience that god uh, provided assurance and care that he heard and he responded to us mm-hmm. and if that is our ex- if if we've had that experience then doesn't it stand to reason that more likely than not, you will be able to make that final ascent to the new Jerusalem? Mm. And so even when maybe um, you're not getting the answers or, or the responses to the, to the problem, uh, or you're asking, why God did you answer in this uh, at this time and you didn't answer this, maybe, um, maybe the the thing that you felt that allowed you to sleep on that bus, maybe that needs to be constantly in our mind, and that is that God has our back. Mm. And even if it's not right now, mm-hmm. more likely than not, we're going to be in the new Jerusalem. Yeah. It's just, like you said before, it's just a matter, just of, a time. matter of time. It's not if, it's when. It's when. Yeah. Oh, that's powerful. And that, that does seem to be the the direction that the psalmist in both of these psalms are 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 coming mm-hmm. from is that we know deliverance is coming we don't know when 
We don't know how, <laughs> but we do know that it's coming. That it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, and and it's coming with a, and it's coming in spite of the fact and it's coming I should say it's coming is not contingent on how well we understand the facts mm. or how well we get the story it's coming is coming on the basis of that's what God is that's mm. what God does mm-hmm. uh, I love how you know uh, Psalm one thirty nine that you just read it ends kind of on this on this place where um, the the psalmist says, I don't get it, mm. right? Um, mm. If only, verse 19, if only, God, you would slay the wicked away from me. You who are bloodthirsty, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Mm. I don't get why God's operating in the way he's operating. It stands to reason that this, the, the whole opening of the song is how closely related uh the psalmist is to God, how mm-hmm. God knows him, as you said, better than he knows himself. Yeah. And that uh, the, the, their relationship is so simpatico that uh, often God's thoughts are the psalmist's his thoughts. But even with that level of intimacy, there is not a clear and full understanding of who God is. And the psalmist is okay with not knowing. Mm. And I think I think it would change for us the ex- our capacity to praise and to sing these songs of ascent would would be greatly improved if we allowed to the uh, for the fact that the New Jerusalem is an event that we can say it's factual. It's not an if; it's a when, like you said. Mm. And so we need to stop trying to figure all the minutia out. Yeah. Yeah. And so we just, we sometimes get so caught up in trying to figure out all the details that we miss the fact that regardless of when it's going to happen, God is going to come through. Mm -hmm. And um, we can just hang our hat on that fact. It does help. Um, It can be definitely frustrating at times, I will say. (laughs) It can be, because there are times like, I mean, even as kids, when, when, I knew that eventually I would get to our destination, mm-hmm. but uh, the question would be, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? On these long road trips, are we there yet? And sometimes that that's the question we keep asking God. Are we there yet? Are we through the, the difficult period mm-hmm. yet? Are, you, are we at the deliverance yet? That's the question we want to ask. The reality is, even though I was asking that question, I knew eventually I would mm-hmm. get to the destination, right? And so perhaps, perhaps God is okay with us asking, "Are we there yet?" Mm, but part of the part of um, the the thing that gets us through is realizing we will eventually mm. get there. Yeah. And here's what's here's what's really comforting. So think about I mean, do this do this mental exercise with me. Think about these trips where anticipation. Was building. Maybe you mm. were on a road trip to see a family member. Mm. Uh, maybe you were on a road trip to see grandma or grandpa, and you know that their house was fun. Or, or you were going to a national park or to an amusement park, and it's a long road trip, and you're feeling desperate. And while you're in that car saying, are we there? You, you do really, I mean, yeah, intellectually, you know you're going to get there. But experientially, you think that's this is never going to happen. I'm going to be living in this car. <laughs> For the rest of my life, the 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 minutes and the seconds seem to just drag on, and 
all of your energy and your emotion is invested in this, I can't wait anymore. This is painful. But then you get there. And now remember that place that you got to. And unless you're really, really intentional about remembering the journey, you don't remember how you felt or how painful the expectation was or how long it took. You just remember the destination. And I think that is, that is, I think, maybe a, an analogy that is helpful to, to allow us to navigate. Again, in the moment, not that great. We're going to accept we don't want to minimize anyone's suffering or anyone's experience of expectation. Those are real and we, we have to hold space for them. But what I, at least in, in my heart and to my soul, uh, provides a calm and a cheer is I'm going to forget this. This, this whole, are we there yet? How long, oh Lord? When I finally get there, those are go those memories are going to be really, really, really distant. Mm -hmm. And that, that provides me some hope. And the reason why the memories are so distant is the expectation is so grand. Yeah, yeah. That the experience when we arrive completely overshadows the destinations the, yeah. the destination is so grand yeah um there's another really great analogy right uh, the process of childbirth mm. think about something more traumatic mm. and more painful and more is it here yet mm -hmm. can we just deliver this baby i mean i've obviously never had one um but i know that the amount of trauma that that puts on a woman's body mm. as she is waiting for uh, this this new life to come into the world is incredible. Mm -hmm. And yet, the moment that baby comes, the trauma and the pain and the journey is forgotten. Mm -hmm. And all you want is you say, remember Linda that you were 36 hours in labor wow. and we had a really difficult with Michael we had a really difficult first pregnancy mm. and when he finally when that little I remember I was just so exhausted and I wasn't doing anything I was just <laughs> cheering people on but I was so exhausted Billy and then Micah came out and they put him on my on my body and I was still exhausted and it was great. It was this joy, but it was also this exhaustion. Anyway, they put it on. They put him on Linda, and Linda is just really, really tired, and it's been really, really traumatic. And she has that baby on her chest. She turns to me and she says, "When are we going to have another one?" Mm. the The destination is so earth shatteringly beautiful mm. that how we got there ceases to matter. Wow. Wow. That's so powerful. That's powerful imagery. Um, yeah. Yeah. They say that the only reason why women have another child is because they forget how difficult it was to have the first. But part of the reason why they diff they forget is because of the joy of having a child. Mm. It, it overshadows. For many women, it takes longer than just a few moments on the chest. But Linda, Linda, it's a special person. So the baby was really cute. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think that's why we sing songs of ascent. We sing songs of ascent. Wow. Because 
those moments that mm. we're not supposed to rationalize or to figure out mm. or to think about or, or to think about in the way that we think about theological systems those moments yeah. are little snapshots of what that's going to be yeah like i my whole recollection of israel is kind of kind of murky mm. and i've been to israel many a time and I've walked on those on that street many many times now, and I can I can't tell you I can't isolate what each one of those walking down the street and here we are again this is Olympus Tropos this is Jerusalem I can't. But that one moment when I felt the presence of God, mm. I can remember everything. Um, and it's colored my the whole way I see Israel. Mm -hmm. I forgot about, I didn't think about the 16-hour flight mm -hmm. or the fact that for the first three or four days of the trip, I am wrecked because mm -hmm. of jet lag. Or the fact that, um, you know, it's go, go, go. And by the time we get back, I'm probably more exhausted than when I, when I left. I keep going back to this place because of that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think we keep we keep coming back to this place, to church, to faith, to prayer, to to study, because of those moments, those moments, mm -hmm. those those snapshots, where where we see Jerusalem, and we hear God uh, saying, uh, and we we cry out, hear the response, clear as day, my help comes from the Lord, yeah. Maker of heaven and earth. Yeah. So it's important to celebrate those moments and to remember those moments and just cling to those moments. moments. Yeah. Just be in the moment. Yeah. Just cling to the moment. Yeah. Because that's what we have, right? What yeah. else do we have other than moments in life? Yeah. Pray for us, Joey. Yeah. Our good and gracious God, we want to thank you for these moments where you break through. You break through. Um, we don't always know why you don't break through in other moments. But when you do, help us to celebrate them. Help us to cling to them. Help us to remember them so that they become sources of light and hope through challenging times. Thank you for being the God who breaks through. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So our prayer is that this week you might have one such moment where the kingdom just breaks through. And if you don't have that moment, We've got good news for you. Maybe you won't have that moment. But what if? What if you can be that moment for someone else? What if you can be the embracing of the kingdom? So that's our prayer for you. May God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.